Hello and thanks for joining us again this week for yet another episode of the Reenactors Rumble podcast. Now we've had a quick wee break for Stony Military Affair this weekend, just gone and as promised we're back with a bit of a juicy one too, which I'm sure is going to cause some divide, a little bit of upset and some excitement uh, amongst many of us as we so often like to do here. Now before we get started, let's introduce today's guest on the podcast, it's our good friend Taff, also known as RF Taff on Facebook. How are you doing this evening mate? I'm good mate, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Busy, uh, busy week after getting back from Stony. How did you get on there? Did you get any bargains at all? Yeah, uh, picked up a couple of um, original army officers' tunics for fifty-five quid for the pair, which yeah. I thought was um, pretty good. A um, couple of little bits, uh, nice parallel rule that was named. So happy with that. Yeah, good little, good little, um, good little day out. What about you? Nice, yeah, yeah, quite a few bits and bobs. Um, didn't really plan on, on going with anything in mind. You know, usually I've got sort of a, a unicorn or something that I'm, I'm really looking for. But yeah, just had a good look around, got a few nice little uh, upgrades and bits and bobs. Um, we're going to be doing a lovely episode on it, I think in a few days' time as well, um, very much from the seller's perspective as well mm. and a bit of a buyer's perspective and just a bit of uh, assessment really of, of how the uh, the event went as a whole and how the buying habits and selling habits are changing in the UK as well, which will yeah, be, be interesting. Uh, very, very 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 interesting as well and, and how has your uh, event season been so far this year because i think you've been pretty busy so far right? um yeah so far i mean the first one was in february we went up to the uh, naval museum at western approaches that was mm-hmm. uh, different fabulous fabulous um venue mm-hmm. um we've done little bits here and there um you know days out to events that we've never been to and things like that just to have a bit of a scout out and see what they're like um to be fair, I've spent a lot of time working on um, a film project at the minute, so that's taken up quite a bit of my um, bit of my time. Um, and then obviously, um, Elvington the other week. And that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much it at the moment. We've got a couple of things coming up. So we're at East Kirk being in a few weeks, and then the Cosford Air Show directly after that. So mm-hmm. yeah, busy couple of weeks coming up. Yeah, very, very busy. And and, and you do a, a breadth of things as well, Taff. You've mm. obviously got, you know, your RF impressions where we've crossed paths quite significantly. But, you know, you mentioned Western Approaches, which is presumably a, a naval impression for yourself. Yeah. There's, there's infantry. I know you've done some some uh, some British Airborne as well. So it's fair to say yeah. that you've got a bit of a, a wide, wide sort of course of impressions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I started off doing the RAF stuff and then sort of snowballed a little bit out of control and tried to do a little mm. bit of everything to be fair because yeah. I think it's um, important that we encompass everything rather than just one thing if, if you can do it mm. and you're happy to do it and you know you've got the knowledge to do it why not absolutely yeah and I think it keeps you engaged doesn't it I mean mm. for me I we had a lot of conversations this weekend just gone at Stoney, um, you know, because our, our group's gone from doing American for 20 years to now just purely British and people, a lot of people are asking why the change. And it's like, well, the change keeps you engaged, you know, and, and for me, that's even throughout the season, doing one event as Green Howard's, another event as, as British Airborne, yeah. and then RAF, and then Fighter Command and Bomber Command and different periods of the war. Mm. It, it just keeps you engaged and excited, I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, it's um, it, it also makes you research things as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can get a little bit stagnant, I think, sometimes if you just do one mm-hmm. impression, um, and you know you you run out you run out of things to research almost. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you change up your impressions and have uh, you know different arms, different countries, it, it keeps you engaged in finding out a little bit more about what they did or what they wore mm-hmm. or what equipment yeah. they used, um, and you never run out of things to to look up. Mm-hmm. yeah completely it stops you getting sort of lazy and, mm. and in a routine because you know i think that's where reenactorisms can come in because you, you just you've done something the same way yeah definitely. Um, and you, you like you said you stop researching you just do and almost new people come into a group and the new people just do what you've always done and, and it fast becomes just a bit of a a routine of, of sometimes inaccuracy and i and, you know i guess that there's, there's elements of that in this episode which we'll which yeah. we'll go into but i guess you know one of one of the reasons I think uh, you know a really great guest for this episode as well, Taff, is because of that breadth of impressions. And I think some of the things that we're going to be talking about, um, we we experience across the hobby, and it's not one particular yeah. area. It's 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 very much um, across the, the wider spectrum. And, and how oh, long definitely. have you been uh, reenacting for in uh, in general? Uh, so I started my my first event that I ever went to was a VA VE day event in my hometown mm. in two thousand and five. Um, where I met a uh, a wonderful man uh, who a, a few listeners uh, will probably know, Mark Chandler, uh, who's unfortunately no longer with us. But he, there wasn't anything he didn't know about Bomb Command. Um, he'd been a historian for for many years, and he'd spoken to m- hundreds of veterans, um, and he he knew 
everything that you needed to know about Bomber Command. And I'd always been interested in in the RAF and history and things, you know, um, and it just sort of clicked. So I started reenacting with my family in 2005. So what's that now? 17 years with a break of about three years in the middle. Um, so um, I very much started off as you know, a lot of people do with their families. Um, we weren't, you know, a well-to-do family, so I almost had to make do um, with what could be afforded by, you know, my parents buying it for me. Um, and then when I came back after my break, I had a job. I had money to to spend on it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really went out to improve my impressions and mm-hmm. do things that I'd always wanted to do and mm-hmm. buy things that I'd never been able to afford before. Um, and then it sort of spiraled a little bit out of control. <laughs> yeah. And um, I started, you know, thinking, oh, I'll do that. Oh, I'll do that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've always wanted to do things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, again, Mark got me into doing South African Air Force, um, which a lot of people don't know what it is and it's a good talking point at events mm-hmm. um i do royal australian air force as well obviously um and the medical core stuff as well that's that's quite interesting um mm-hmm. that really brings up discussions at events when you've got all the all the equipment laid out and the surgical mm-hmm. tools and things and you get you know medical personnel now coming along and going well we still use those mm-hmm. and actually well yeah why why wouldn't you why would you use something yeah. different if this works so um yeah that's that's where i started off 17 years ago was right at the bottom end of the of the spectrum and now Mm -hmm. i'm coming back up towards hopefully the the top end but i've still got a long way to go and um you know there's always room for improvement there absolutely is i think you've just you've just hit on something which um I hadn't intended on on bringing into this episode, but I think is 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 almost important probably for the end of this episode. But that that's of, of mentorship. Um, and you mentioned Mark there, and you know mm. presumably what was a uh, incredibly positive um, impact mm. and, and relationship for Definitely. you in the world of reenacting. And I think that the, you can't and you can't overestimate the the importance of having a, a really strong mentor in the hobby. Um, yeah. I think that for a number of reasons, that's not just accuracy and equipment standards but etiquette in the hobby um, oh, yeah. for teaching you just values your general life Def- values i think definitely, it's so you know, important i i wouldn't have been able to start doing this hobby without his help i mean the things that he's given not just me but other other mm-hmm. people has been incredible he, you know one of the first things he ever gave me was an original officer's tunic just gave it to me mm-hmm. um and went this isn't going to fit me it'll fit you you might as well use it and yeah. i've still got it to this day and i still still use it to this day um you know and he gave me um an e-type flying helmet um you know bear in mind it was it was just a shell but you know it was still an e-type flying helmet um mm-hmm. and without that i wouldn't be able to be the, the living historian that i am today without his mm-hmm mentorship yeah, yeah. and saying you know you've got to get it right you've got to get it right otherwise you know there's no point doing it mm-hmm. no you're completely right and uh, some of the the lessons and life lessons that i've had from these people like you said have helped me get to where i am and become a little bit more uh how do i put this you know just appreciative of feedback rather mm. than being negative about that um and even just on a personal note as well you know some of the, the people that i've had around me they, they teach you things just about personal life as well, you know, and sometimes I've learned more about those people than I have from my own very, very close family yeah. members, you know, and I yeah. think that's, it's an important thing about friendship in the, in the hobby as well. Super, oh, definitely. You know, but, I, I almost feel mortified when, you know, something gets pointed out to me by a friend who mm-hmm. knows more than I do that something's wrong. And I, you know, I, I make it my aim to, to sort that out as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if somebody I don't know and I don't, um have a you know an idea of how good their impression is comes up to me and starts pointing things out that he thinks is wrong with my you know impression that's when things start to get a little bit more prickly and i start start (laughs) to question their motives and why they're doing that Mm-hmm. it's a complicated old thing that the world mm. of feedback and i guess uh that forms a large part of the of the episode today yes. so in 
in the last episode, in uh, episode 68, uh, we referenced that this week would all be about the the standards of reenacting, which which is a common topic because, you know, mm. it's, it's always very, you know, it's on the tip of your tongue, I think, quite a, yeah. a lot of the time. Um, but, but moreover, I think what we're going to be looking at in particular are, are whether elements of reenacting are becoming more and more akin to uh, the world of, of cosplay. Um mm. Now, I guess there's maybe a few people that are thinking, what is cosplay out there? So, you know, I guess the, the definition of cosplay is very much commonly regarded as uh, as dressing up as a character from film, book, or, or video game. And, and yes, yes, I hear you all before you uh, interject to say that this is very, very similar to what we do. We do dress up as, uh, to a degree, people from books, from films, uh, from video games. Of course we do, but... You know, those books, films, and video games are only there because they are about real people. So, yeah. you know, for me, reenacting is it's skipping that cosplay element and it's about the real people, not the film, the book, or the video game. Um, but I think what's probably important is that we, we try and define a line because we've just mentioned there that it is a bit of a blurred line for some people where that line ends and begins. So, in your opinion, Taff, where do you think the world of cosplay ends and reenacting begins? I think. You know, it, it can be, like you said, a very blurred line. Um, there, are, I've known people that have started um, in this hobby by doing cosplay, um, mm-hmm. and alternatively, I know people who do the hobby but also do cosplay on on the side. But I think it, it's it's very important for people to realise that cosplay is very much based on a character, a fictional character from a book, um, a movie, uh, a game, you know, you've only got to look at, um, you know, like the video game releases um, at, at game shops and you've got people stood outside in uniform um, that is akin to that, you know, that genre or that uh, game <laughs> title. Um, and there's lots of inaccuracies and in things that the game put in because they think it looks good or, um, or it's it's better for them. Whereas for us, we do things that are all based off, you know, proper photographs, mm-hmm. um, archive footage, and things like that. And we are not portraying just one person or one character. We are portraying a huge range of different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's very much they're very different um in terms of the two hobbies Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree i think you hit the nail on the head in that for me it's about what your impression is based on and if your impression is based on research of that film of that Mm. video game of that book then it's cosplay if it's based on accurate representations in like you mentioned archive imagery and footage of uh, factual books with with original imagery in um of museum studies and whatnot as well then then you are hopefully a reenactor mm. um and you know if you are getting your research from Banner brothers from seven private ryan from the soldier of fortune catalog or epic <laughs> military catalog no disrespect to those brands out there because i do purchase the odd little thing from them but if that is your primary source for research then i'm afraid sorry to say that uh, i think you you are currently sitting probably more in the world of, of cost and this and you know, for anyone out there that that does perhaps you know playing play uh, partake in cosplay, this isn't a dig at cosplay at all. Um, I think what I'm trying to say is that I personally think it's a very different hobby and one which I recognise lines can be become very very blurred. Um, mm. But I think you know, hopefully, if we, we've just sort of drawn a little bit of a line in the sand there as to yeah. reenacting is is what it's based on, what cosplay is based on, and you know, I can hear probably a lot of people out there thinking, well, what's what's brought this on? Why you know, what why now? Why now? What's going on? So I mean, I think it's always been bubbling under the surface a little bit. Um, there's always a, a people that you see at events that you yeah. sort of look at and think, oh, you know, okay, you, you're not you're not quite there. But you know, I guess you and I attended a couple of events uh, in the last few months together, yeah. um, and we we've, we've had some chats and references just mm. about some of these people that perhaps fall into that world um, where there is sometimes a stubbornness or a lack of um, of understanding or you know constructive reaction to some of the feedback that's potentially being brought on. Yeah, I, I think one of the most dangerous phrases in our hobby is um, the phrase that I've heard quite a few times, which is, oh, well, they probably would have done that. Mm. You know, mm. and I've, I was probably guilty of it when I first started because of some of the people that I would have seen around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think 
when you start looking at reference photos and things and you start delving really deep into the tiny little details of uniform and the way things are being worn and um you know what's being worn with what then that's when the the difference between our hobby and cosplay really comes alive because for cosplay you're looking at a character that probably wears the same thing throughout a game mm-hmm. or a film yep um and that's what you're basing your outfit on your costume whereas what mm-hmm. we're doing is we're looking at a wide spectrum of you know well they wore this during this time and this during this time um mm. and it's not quite as um commercialized either yeah right like you say you've got those dealers that sell things but if you really want to go deep into what the what the hobby really is you've got to go and look for those original bits whereas for cosplay mm-hmm. you can just go and pick up an outfit off the shelf pretty much mm-hmm. yeah i agree and that's i think that's one of the big contrasts for me which is night and day uh, is when you get those more cosplay oriented reenactors who will buy things from the catalog because it's easier irrespective of the fact that you can find some of those things quite cheap i mean i'll give you a great example i mean you know i'm going to take the world of rf reenacting because i saw a lot of it recently mm. um RF, uh, suits, air crew, war service dress, battle dress, whatever you, you want to call it, take your pick. You know, I personally never paid, well, apart from one recently that I've just bought, but from five battle dresses that I've bought, I've never paid more than £120 for a, a battle dress jacket. Now, if you go to one of the lower end reproduction suppliers mm. for that, you're probably going to pay a similar price. Yeah. You know, um, and it's a bit like, you know, if you're going straight there rather than just looking for something original, it's like that is. To a degree for me, it's 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 easy. It's it's just it's just cosplaying for me at that point because you're going. I'm going to go and get that because it's like like you said, it's off the shelf. It's close enough. I've not yeah. gone. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a look. And you know, it's fair to say. I think Taff, I'm sure you'll agree that you've made mistakes in the past. Um, oh, where yeah. you started is perhaps a million miles away from where you are now. But it's about mm. how you listen and, and respond to that feedback. Yeah, I think there's also an air of it's the easiest thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. some people don't want to spend like we have hours trawling through websites and auction houses and and fairs and car boots and things like that looking for one item which Mm -hmm. they they may not find a price that suits them Mm -hmm. they can just go to a a dealer and pick one off the shelf that fits them and that's that's that um Mm -hmm. i think it's, it's also very um very good to remember that people nowadays aren't the same build as they were back then. So instead of looking for a battle dress blouse that would fit them, that might be a slightly larger waist than then they used to, um, mm-hmm. then um, they just go to an off the shelf variety because that will fit mm-hmm. them. Um, and I get it. You know, I know some people have got the off the shelf varieties to, um, wear on motorbikes and things like that rather than you know dirty and original and potentially mm-hmm. ruin it with engine oil and things like yeah, yeah. that um, and I, I, I get that and I completely understand it um, but at the same time if you're standing around on a train station platform and you can get an original jacket and trousers then it looks you know 10 times better than somebody wearing an off the shelf reproduction that's mm-hmm. baggy and um is you know felty and it's not got that look that it's been well made 70 80 years ago it looks like it's been mm-hmm. made in a factory you know on mass and they all look the same mm-hmm. um, yeah completely and i think if we had to if we had to draw a bit of a few tick boxes to say, you know, for, for, for that self-evaluation, I think, or for, for a definition mm. of, of what, you know, we personally believe is is a cosplay, you know, and this is just our opinion, just our opinion, you know, yeah. not asking everybody to potentially agree with it because that is the beauty of life, that we'll all have our own opinions on things. But for me personally, you, you hit the nail on the head with one of those things again there, which is it's doing stuff because it's easier, yeah. um, it's quicker, it's cheaper, even though you know it's not right, mm. you know that that, item that you're buying isn't correct but you will do it anyway because it's easier it's like as you mentioned it's the lack of research it's the that'll probably do you know it looks blue and it's got a, a brevet on there but it, it's it's a 49 pattern battle dress you yeah. know rather than a wartime pattern 
you know, it's a lack of research to, mm. to go and do that. It's about justifying an entire impression that you've got around one particular image that is in existence. Oh, yeah. Um, and you use that image to justify an impression, which you will do for any period of the war in mm. any given scenario, even if the backdrop or the uh, the props that you might have around you in vehicles, aircraft, or buildings are inaccurate. Um, and I think more specifically, beyond those inaccuracies that we've just mentioned there, it is about when those things are pointed out to you or when those things are referenced when you know they're wrong, yeah. justifying them for for what I'm not sure what the reason actually is. You know, I, I've spoke to some people where they just, you know, you can give them the facts and there is just an absolute extreme reluctance just to accept it and take it on the chin. And I just mm. really don't know why. I can only assume it's because they put their enjoyment ahead of what it's all about. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah. You know, you, you you get that line of oh well, I've seen a photograph of it. Um, it it's all very good seeing a photograph of it, but for the majority of what we do, there's hundreds of photographs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's people wearing headdress at ridiculous angles and going oh well, it was done during the war. Yeah, I'm not debating <laughs> it was done during the war. Yeah, but it wasn't done to that extent. You know, and and trying to justify, oh well, I've seen a photograph of it. Sometimes there are limited photographs for things. You know, uh, I'm trying to put together a an impression for the Queen's own Worcestershire Hussars, um, and there are very few photographs um, showing badges and things like that on battle dress blouses. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to be happy with it until I've seen multiple photos to be able to correlate it with. But some people mm-hmm. will go, oh, well, I've seen a photo of that. That'll do. Yeah, it's it's just this, this almost like need to be different, which is for me, again, where it goes back to this cosplay thing. Like I've seen one picture of a man with a beard. I'm going to have a beard, you know, irrespective yeah. of the scenario. It's like, you know, there's, there's that image of the US guy. I think he's in Germany in early 45 and he's got a goatee and it's like, well, I can wear a goatee with a class A to a dance. It's like, well, no, you know, he can't. Like, you know, it. And if there's one image there, well, if there's a hundred images which say the contrary, then why are you picking that one image? You know, at that point, it's mm. just because of your personal need to be a dick. Basically, <laughs> I'm going to put it out there and yeah. say that's literally all it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like I want to be different and just do things my own way because I think it's cool. I basically, think, I think the majority. I think there's a lot of I can't be bothered. You know, people who have goatees and want to get into the hobby and somebody says oh well you've got to shave that off and they go oh well i've had it for years and then they, yep. they almost go out of their way to try and find evidence to keep it whereas actually yeah you know and i i had it when uh when i was at west approaches because obviously when you're in the navy you either wear a full full set mm-hmm. or you're clean shaven mm-hmm. um and I'd done some research about moustaches in the Navy and things, and there were exemptions for medical grounds. Mm-hmm. And I got in touch with a couple of people, and somebody provided me with a um, a copy of a letter given by a surgeon to a fleet airline pilot saying he could have a moustache. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had a reason for having that, and I could produce that to the person that was, that was asking me, um, if they'd asked me in a nice way. Um, but... At the same time, people who just go, oh, well, I've seen a photo of it. And then you say, well, yeah, but it, it wasn't the norm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I've seen a photo of it, so I'm just going to keep it as it is. It's, yeah, it's just infuriating. And that is then, that that just is then cosplay, basically. You know, because yeah, at is, that point, yeah. you, you, you're disregarding historical research and accuracy in the face of uh, of just vanity and, and what you want to do. It so, one yeah. character, essentially. Exactly. Um, so at that point, it it has then became fancy dress or cosplay. Yeah. It, you know, you you've left the realms of reenacting and entered those worlds. Whatever, you know, whatever you might think. And I mean, the other thing around it as well, I think sometimes is even you know, I'm not. We're not saying go out and buy original items that cost the earth. Yeah. I I appreciate that you might be a 44 inch dress and finding a, a, a more service dress might be difficult in that size. I appreciate that. But what I would say is, you know, things like caps. You know, there are, there are RF officers caps, for example. Um, there are a couple of different options on the market that are very fairly and similarly priced. Mm. So you've got one by all time, you've got one by Soldier Fortune, uh, one of which is significantly better than the other one. Yeah. And I'm not sure the exact price difference off the top of my head, but it's, you know, it's fairly similar. It's ballpark. Yeah. But again, it's just a case of I will go that marginally cheaper element there 
even though it looks horrific. I mean, you know, I, I upgraded uh, an officer's cap this weekend to, I already, I mean, I've already got an, a nice one, but mm. I, I thought I found a nicer one, um, which wasn't exactly very, exactly very cheap, but I looked at it and thought I'm not going to, personally, I haven't found uh, another option which is as strong as this and as accurate as this um, again uh, before. So I'm going to, I'm going to find this and I'm going to upgrade it. But when I put that cap there or any of the, the half decent caps that I've got against some of these reproduction versions out there and look at them, it is like, I, how can I ex- even explain it? It's, it's just like a toy. It's like a toy version of the real thing. Yeah. You know? And at that point, I'm just like, how can you not see that that, isn't reenacting because that bears no resemblance. I mean, I'll be really honest, and again, really sorry to anybody who works at Soldier Fortune who's listening, but the Soldier Fortune officer's cap is largely based on a post-war cap. Yeah, yeah, you know, the and I'm not going to go into the, some of the details of that, but it's largely based on a post-war cap with really terrible uh, Far East Asian manufacturing standards mm. for, 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 for markup and volume purposes. And I think so, one of the things that's always sort of irritated me a little bit uh, especially on the RAF sides of things, is when people want to do officer impressions um, and they go out and they find a really nice service dress, uh, original, and then they team it with a cap like that and they go, oh, yeah, well, I, I, I couldn't find an original. And you ask them... Don't do it then. Well, I, I turn around and go, an original cap? And they go, yeah, yeah, you know, officers wore peak caps. And I go, yeah, but if you'd have looked for a forage cap, you could have picked one of them up, you know, mm-hmm. for, for 60 quid. And it would have looked 10 times better than that thing you've paid 100 mm-hmm. quid for or however yeah. much it is. Um, and it's this reluctance to, you know, look into what what you can use as an alternative that's accurate because mm-hmm. you've seen it in a film from the 60s that all the officers were in peak caps. Mm-hmm. And no, then I think and that, that's, be- that's... that becomes cosplay then because you've taken it from a film that exactly. they all wore peak caps. Yep, I've watched the Battle of Britain, I've watched this, I've watched whatever it might be, and you're totally right. You know, if your research is based on films, it is cosplay. I'm yeah. very, very sorry, but we defined it earlier. It is research based on films and not accurate things. And you know, I, I we had this conversation. I've had it with with members of my own group who have who have gone out there and purchased a reproduction cap purely because they don't like the look of a side cap. You know, and for me, I'm just like, you know, you're going to spend, like you said, maybe twice as much on a reproduction cap as you could just on an original cap of a different variation of side cap. Yeah. So again, it's, it's putting that like self vanity. Oh, this looks cooler. So I'm going to do it above what you can afford and what's viable for your impression. Well, I, I had, I had a forage cap for, well, up until last year, that's all I had for an officer was, was forage caps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I bought uh, an old time design cap. Um, and then an original fell into my lap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that is a, a later war one. It's got a, a, a cloth-covered underside to the peak, but, you know, the, it's it's a late war cap. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got an old-time one that's an early war one. I've got a later war one that's got, you know, it's it's floppy and it looks, looks good. And then I've got two forage caps that I think look just as good as a peak cap with service dress and battle mm-hmm. dress. So yeah, and why, why are you going to the lengths of trying to justify your purchase for peak cap because you know you you think that's what they all wore rather than mm-hmm. looking through photographs and going well actually there's a there's a forage cap on on a certain auction site or I've seen seen this one at a military affair mm-hmm. it's a nice wartime piece mm-hmm. get it you know yeah completely it, it's and it's the same with you know when people get a soldier of fortune and buy an OA's cap to do NCOs. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, that would have only been for RF police. Mm-hmm. Um, the everyday man wore a forage cap and at some ridiculous angles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's where you can wear your cap at a yeah. ridiculous angle. Not, not an, yeah, we'll not an officer's that. cap, but it's, it's really difficult though, isn't it? And, and I, I respect and understand that not everybody has the same opinion, but it, it's difficult for me to connect because, and I, I understand that I'm, I'm at the far end of the spectrum, um, but my personal opinion is I'm always looking to improve, like you mentioned at the start of the episode, you know, based on feedback and research. And, you know, if I've spent a lot of money on something, and I need to improve it, I will. Um, and I yeah. will often put that at the risk of my own personal finances mm. um, a lot of the time in, a, in the pursuit of perfection and improvement. 
And I always will do that. And I find it very difficult when others won't do that, you know, because if something is, is historically proven that you are wrong and you care about this hobby, then I just find it very, very odd to just be like, well, dog hair. You know, I just, I find it very, yeah, very, very difficult because some of the pictures that we're looking at, you know, we're talking about, um, and again, I, I'm, I'm not going to name individuals because it's not a fair thing to do, but, um, you know, I, I've, there's, there's images as recently as, as this weekend with people wearing what can only be described as sort of, you know, civilian old age pensioner type, you know, orthopedic shoes with with flying equipment um modern shiny ties for both infantry and, and raf um huge john travolta inspired 1970s shirts with raf battle dresses yeah. um, it's bad haircuts it's about buying chinese mayor wests and not filling it with any particular contents at all um and and proudly displaying that you know um and running about like you you, you own the place it's it's about purposeful inaccuracies and not giving a shit basically and that's why i just i just cannot even a little bit of me respect that and and i think that's that's when you know you've got to look at some of these events when people dress up in these things that they've bought reasonably cheaply you know you, you walk down a high street you know in a town event in full flying kit is that is that reenacting or is that cosplay exactly that yeah I'm often think of that, you know, the, the whole, yeah, it's yeah, you're totally right. It's just like why would why would you wear flying kit to a, a, a railway event unless you've parked your train on your plane on top of a train? It, it's I find it just an odd thing, you know. It's just a chance to go look what I've got. I mean, I don't I don't mind to a degree if your kit's absolutely bang on, then fine, yeah. okay. But it's just a bit like what's what's the point? Like you mentioned to wear shoes like that with it. It's just you know they're wrong, so so, so why it's yeah. And I think there's the whole that'll do attitude as well separates what mm. we do from from cosplay because you know we spend money that we you know work hard for on mm-hmm. either the best reproductions out there or originals. You know. I, I will, you know, not in the near future be able to afford an original observer harness, not in a million mm-hmm. years. Um, but I could afford to get a, a rigger depot one. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me at the time, that was an acceptable reproduction mm-hmm. for the money that I could afford to pay for. It, and I was happy to, to wear that. But you see some people who go, Oh, I'll just get one off eBay and it's got mm. tiny little hooks on it and it's, you know, fastened by, you know, snap buckles and mm-hmm. and you look at it and think, Well, why have you bothered? And it's because they want to play dress up. And, you know, it's I, I, it is, yeah. yeah, I get it from, you know, a certain point of, you know, oh, I'm I'm going to a forties event with the family, you know, I, I want to get into the spirit of things. Fine, you know. That's fine, and I and I, you can't stop people from doing that. But it's when people then get a taste for it mm-hmm. and start doing more events, but don't improve what they do. Mm-hmm. That's when it yeah. starts to go from, you know, trying to be a reenactor, but you know, just doing cosplay. Mm-hmm. It's like just pick your battles and, and live within your means, as you mentioned. Mm. If if something is beyond you, that that's that's not a bad thing. Don't please don't be ashamed of not being able to afford, you know, what is rapidly rising, you know, like flying equipment, weapons, mm. you know, I saw M1 Garands for £1,500, Lee Enfield's £800 on the weekend, you know, it's not a bad thing in in an unprecedented cost of living period to be able to not afford those things, you know, but at the same time, it is also an accessible hobby for if you just want to wear a basic service dress, you can find things like RF, um, 1951, 52 dated service dresses for 10, 20 pounds on Facebook, yeah. you know, maybe slightly beaten up, but you can put together an RAF always impression for, I would say if you were very thrifty, less than a hundred pounds, oh, easily. if you really, really wanted to really wanted easily. to, you know, and it's, it's just about that reluctance. I mean, there was a guy stood next to us a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'm sure he was a very nice man. We didn't speak to him very much, but th- he was wearing a homemade Mae West, yeah. um, which was appalling to say the least, and and it was, and I felt really, really awful. But I wanted to tell this man to move away from me because mm. people were taking pictures, and I, I felt a bit angry to be honest with you. And I know that maybe might sound a little bit odd to people, but when you've put, you know, your 
your entire life's earnings. I mean, Christ, I eat like 20p, 30p packets of noodles for lunch every day at work because I want to save as much money as mm. I can to spend on kit. And when you go to such lengths to sort of, you know, degrade your own bodily nutrition in the in the search of a better impression and you have somebody stood next to you in a homemade Mae West, it, it's it's just like... I don't want to be associated with you because it's. I find it disrespectful and it's rude, and I just do not want to be in that same board. Yeah, and you know, I think I think I was a bit surprised the fact that he had forty three pattern escape boots on, and then ruined <laughs> it with with that May West. Um, and what you've got to remember is that what we're doing is to remember men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. When you start doing things that are cutting corners and you're almost treating it like a game, mm-hmm. that's disrespectful in my mind to them. Yeah, memory. it completely is. I mean, we're not expecting people. I mean, it might sound like we're getting a lot of stuff off our chest, and we are to a degree. Mm. We are. I wanted to get this off my chest for a while, but we're not expecting people to learn to fly a spitfire or to be able to fire a pierce or you know anything completely unreasonable we're not asking you to go and spend five thousand pounds on an original d-type um oxygen mask or or, you know go and buy a a, a jeep or you know expensive rare things that's not what we're asking you to do i'm fine if you want to buy what price glory beret and team it with a panther battle dress for British Airborne, I'm absolutely fine with that. What I'm asking and imploring people to do out there, and not because I'm elitist or anything like that, just because it's it's my own personal opinion, is that I am imploring people to to learn what the specific items of the uniform are and were. Um, get the basics right, you know. Um, I get that you might not be able to buy a Mae West and fill it straight away with all of those expensive and rare things that you are looking for. I totally get that. But there are some basics that you can just get right. You know, yeah. um, if it's a service dress, just get that right. You know, um, yeah. it's fine. If if you can't do those other things right, then don't bother with it at all for me. Mm. You know, because like you said, it just becomes in the realms of disrespect, really. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've when I took over the, the RAF group that I run now in at the back end of last year, you know, standards started to slip a little bit and people were almost doing their own thing. Um, so over the winter, I spent my own time writing uniform guides mm-hmm. for the group and saying, you know, if you want to do this impression, this is what you need. This is where you can get originals from. And this is what, you know, we're looking for. This is where you can get acceptable reproductions from. If that's the route you want to go down and that's the route that you can afford, mm-hmm. this is what you can't use. This is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, every everybody is as you know said that that's a, a, an important thing to do. But you get some people mm-hmm. go, oh well, I, I can't afford to get that. And my answer is, well, don't get it then. If you've mm-hmm. got enough Literally, to do yeah. a basic impression in service dress, then what's what's the problem with that? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if you need something for an impression at an event and somebody has got it that they can lend it to you for the event, mm-hmm. then, you know, speak to them nicely and maybe offer them a beer mm-hmm. or two in, in exchange for loan of their piece of kit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's those people that, you know, just turn up. And, and I've had it where they just turn up and do their own thing anyway. And mm-hmm. it, there's yeah. nothing more frustrating than having to try and speak to somebody who wants to do their own thing and looks like they've you know walked through a jumble sale mm-hmm. when you've said to them you know this this is what we're doing this is the display we're doing please conform to what we're saying and then they turn up and go oh well I, I, this is what i wanted to do and then people start yeah looking at them and going well what are you meant to be doing it's just frustrating, isn't it? It just mm. dilutes the the entire thing. But to you know, to provide some balance here and to put the the shoe on the other foot, so to speak, are we just getting too picky? Are our own individual standards higher, and are we holding others to account potentially to our own standards more than what the average acceptable standard should be? Um, I th- there might be an element of that. Um, I think when you're at the level that we're sort of at. 
you start to look at how you can improve the little details rather than the larger details. But are we being elitist? I don't think we're being elitist. We don't shun those people away who mm-hmm. decide to, to do their own thing. We try and help them improve. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so if somebody is is a cosplayer and, and wants to take a, a more, you know, um, interested um, look into the hobby, we we help them get better. We help them improve what mm-hmm. they're wearing, where to go, how to improve their their impression. But at the same time, we've got to remember that cosplay is a completely different world, mm-hmm. yeah. um, where these people idolize characters in in films and books mm-hmm. and and games and want to be there as them if you mm-hmm. look at it in in a wide spectrum the two hobbies are essentially they essentially run parallel mm-hmm. but they never they yeah. never really meet we idolize those people that served during the war and we want to remember them they idolize characters in books and film and games and they want to remember them mm-hmm. yeah um i i don't know if if we're being too harsh on people like that i i just think it's two different worlds yeah i agree and we did an episode quite a while ago on uh, supporting beginners and we had this mm. line which like be like bull you know and try and support people and, and be constructive but as you mentioned earlier it's it's a little bit difficult to continue constructively supporting people when they just throw your advice down by the wayside um and like you said it becomes more about cosplay and i think a good way of summing that up is you know when you go to some of these events in normandy and eindhoven and people are more interested in meeting the cast of band of brothers and the actual veterans themselves and i think that's probably a good assessment of, of the kind of people i think that are, are in danger or already are falling into that it's that yeah. cosplay world but you know so, so where so where are we seeing this type we you know because we you know we, we go to a lot of different events from places like Duxford invite only um mm. to places where it's more street and railway so is there a particular kind of event where we think this is becoming more prominent and alongside that is there a particular kind of demographic that we're also seeing i think the events like you said that are invite only in the places like east kirkby alvington um duxford uh, place for the Shuttleworth collection and things like that where it's invite only and they, they hand pick who they want there you don't tend to see it as often you might get people mm-hmm. who you know approach a group and say I want to get involved this is what I've got and they come along as a bit of a taster and then you've got to try and educate them into how to get better but if that's mm-hmm. going to happen I'd rather lend somebody some some equipment and uniform and say wear that mm-hmm. and we'll help you get your own stuff the more cosplay stuff i think is is definitely railway events and those sort of um events that are held in farmers fields you know some of them are brilliant but at the same mm-hmm. time you look at the people that are walking around and you think you know where's the effort come from um and i think those you know the, those displays as well sometimes can be a bit cosplay ish you know mm-hmm. um they've managed to gather together some some newspapers and you know just chuck them on a on a card table with you know uh, a grand that's been bought from you know a cheap airsoft site or something like that mm-hmm. um that's that's very cosplay whereas somebody who's gone to the nth degree of getting little details even down to you know the right packs of cards and cigarette packs and things like that that's then mm-hmm. more into our realm um mm-hmm. i think definitely railway events when you've got promenaders just walking mm-hmm. around in you know smithy's rayon one piece things or you know they've come dressed in you know 49 pattern battle dress because they bought it off ebay mm-hmm. as world war Two battle dress and yeah you know they've, they've just stuck it on um i mean demographic wise i definitely think there's more of the cosplay element in some of the younger people coming through the hobby um especially from like the gaming point of view you know with with mm-hmm. titles such as call of duty and battlefield doing titles based in the first and second world war they go oh well i'd like to do this for a bit of a laugh 
mm-hmm. and they go and buy things and they copy a character off there. Yeah. On the on the flip side, I've also seen recently um, a few different people, young people that are really committed to improving their <laughs> impression with with every event, and then some older people that are maybe you know gamer dads or they're like their war mm-hmm. films from the 60s and they just yep. go oh well that's what that looks like i'm going to portray mm-hmm. you know somebody from michael came from the battle of britain film for instance yeah no absolutely i think i think you're right i mean i think for me it's, it's everywhere though it's it's every kind of event that i go to you mentioned it's young people it's old people i think what it shows is that it, it can be anybody i'm not pinning anybody in particular mm. but it, I'm seeing it across all breadths of things, and I really, really think, as we sort of touched upon in our last episode, just around events, is that I do think that certain events where there isn't necessarily, um, you know, where the re- reenactors aren't going to make the difference between that event making a profit or loss, mm. really need to potentially start vetting people a little bit um, and making things invite only, because I think only then will there be a level of, of entry to a degree? You know, if your kit ain't right, you're not coming in sort of thing. Um, yeah. I think at that point, people might think, think oh, well, what, why can't I get into this event? And only then when there is limited access to the events that you want to go to, you know, should you be allowed to get in? I mean, my opinion on somewhere like Duxford, it's like, you know, that is the absolute mecca of, of mm. World War II RF reenacting to a degree. Um, yeah. Likewise with East Kirkby. So for personally for me, it's an absolute honor to get, of course, and personal with aircraft like Blenheims and get on the wing and get inside them and get in Halifaxes and Lancasters. That is a privilege that should only be afforded to people who not necessarily can afford it, but people who are just committed and have got the right kit um, and are doing it correctly because, you know, that is a real, real privilege and it makes me irritated and disappointed and sad when people who are the opposite of that and everything that we've just mentioned gain access to it. And I think until that access is limited, I, you know, and we're not, again, we're not talking about extra funds and investing more. We're just talking about doing things right and basic. So I think until events will limit who has access to what I I can't see it improving. I can only see it getting worse. I mean, I I went to um, a new event in Derbyshire on VE day. um, Mm -hmm. And, first year that they'd ever done it. And the, the general standard of the groups there was okay. There were some really good reenactors there and some really, really poor ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there were some displays that looked like they'd, you know, been taken direct from photographs from Normandy or wherever, and some displays that just looked like a car boot sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that event being its first year, I didn't think it was bad at all. But then you look at some events that have been, you know, they're well-established events now, and you look mm-hmm. around their displays, and you almost get to the point where you start cringing and thinking, do I really want to be, you know, seen at this event? In the hobby, in the hobby in general as well, yeah. You know, when... And sometimes, you you know, I've, I've sat at events where you look at people that have got displays and almost think, why do I bother spending thousands of pounds mm-hmm. and and trying to do yep. it right when I could just mm-hmm. go and spend 50 quid on a, on a high uniform or a modern day mm-hmm. uniform and stick some King's Crown buttons on it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I, I remember all of those that didn't come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, I think also that the, the the film industry's got a lot to blame for this as well. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you look at films from the last couple of years, and there are some which are brilliant. You know, Dunkirk was, in terms of kit accuracy, was not bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, nineteen seventeen for World War One kit that was pretty pretty good. So then you look at some lower budget movies, and it is atrocious but people watch those yeah, I mean, and go yeah. oh i can do that 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 looks that looks all right mm-hmm. um yeah. and, I, and think, I think that yeah I, I, the, the film project that i'm working on at the minute with with another living historian we've sort of turned around to the directors and say you either do it our way or you don't have us mm-hmm. 
And it's it's the right way to do it because I mean, you know, going back to the cosplay element again, when Fury came out, how many? I think I said how many? I think every single commercial reenactment supplier out there was offering a Fury package. Yeah, you know, look like Brad Pitt and Fury, and it's just like you're right. So the film industry just has a huge amount of responsibility, and I think it hasn't helped with it. It's glamorized it, and it's made people want to just be Brad Pitt and get excited about seeing the Fury tank as opposed to to other things as well and it's just you know that plus amongst the events letting people in just people doing it in general and not taking it on it's it's i'm getting more frustrated that it's it's educating people wrongly and it's breeding this culture of absolute rubbish and disrespect and yeah. you know and museums allowing people in are, are partaking in it for me and i think what's even more frustrating is that there's more research than ever available than ever oh, you know there's yeah. no excuse i mean fairly recently i found a, a distant relative that had uh, a semi-distant relative that had um served in bomber command and, and had sadly passed away and within three hours of learning of his name i had five or six images and i had the entire um flying logs of, of every single raid that they've ever flown on within hours because the the research was there you know years ago mm. i would have had to go to various air bases in the country go to the um the national archives to find all this sort of stuff and the imagery imperial war museum there are about a hundred thousand images in their archive you can just search I mean, for Elvington fairly recently, mm. I just searched RF Elvington and about 80 images popped up of RF Elvington of 77 Squadron in 1943. It is so, so easy. And I think personally, I just, I, it makes me not want to attend events. I don't want to attend events anymore where I could be associated with such tripe. You know, I mean, my twin brother, for example, he doesn't attend many events anymore and he's he's a better person than me. Let me, let me put that out there. He's, <laughs> he's more, um, uh, how do I put this? Um, you know, I'll be very quick to point things out and he's much more accommodating of people, put it mm. that way. And he he recently sent me an, a text um, after he'd saw some images of, of some American reenactors just looking absolutely terrible. And he, and he, and he basically just sort of said, listen, I'm out, I'm, I'm done. Because he just, he, he didn't want anybody to look at him the way that some people might look at those reenactors, basically, you know, and to say to somebody who do, because, you know, it's always a difficult conversation yeah. at work or somebody you don't know, what do you do in the weekend? Oh, mm. I do World War II reenacting. They go to Facebook, they Google it, and all of a sudden they see those people and you're associated with those yeah. people there. And people out there might be thinking, why are we getting so stressed? Why are we getting so angry? Why have we spent 52 minutes bitching? You know, we met a lady at Elvington who became very emotional mm. discussing a father who'd survived 38 operations flying Halifaxes, risking his life night after night. And 46% of the men that flew alongside her father and, and many men like it never got that chance to come home, as you mentioned earlier. And they're not fictional. They're not actors. This isn't a game. It's not a movie. Many of them might have, you know, might have moved on, but these are real people, our family, the relatives, the men that never got a chance to grow up to the age that you and I mm. are now. So, you know, before these people go on do an event gallivanting around in kit that is just substandard, isn't accurate, is diabolical and unrecognizable, then please ask yourself, why are you doing this? You know, because, and if it's reenactment, because from where I'm seeing it, it, it is cosplay. It's very, very best. So, you know, I really hope that we've just, so people can understand where we're coming from and they don't just think that we've had a, very large rant and a bitch for for the last 50 or so yeah. minutes i think you know that that experience at elvington with with that lady was was humbling you know to to mm -hmm. hold that that mascot that he'd he'd mm -hmm. thrown 38 ops with and and see those photos and i've spoken to people you know friends and family and said you know well, what do you do on the weekend i i you know i do world or two reenacting and they go isn't that just like a big drinking club um mm -hmm you know, because they've seen events with beer tents and things like that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. the majority of us, you know, enjoy a drink at these events. But we saw those photos at Alvington, which proved that amongst, you know, many other photographs that are available online, that so mm -hmm. did they. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's doing it in a respectful manner and not, you know, making an idiot of yourself in, in the beer tent. Um, yeah. If you yeah. do things respectfully... There's, there's so much that you can, you know, incorporate into the hobby. But then when you're mm -hmm. doing it because you just think it's a laugh, you know, I, I, that, that's when it becomes cosplay for me, when you're just doing it because it's it a does. laugh. It does, you know. And I think in what you and I have seen and, and certainly what I've felt over the last couple of years is that I come away from events feeling, you know, 
pride and, and humble mm. like you mentioned at, at the experience of meeting veterans and of meeting a family of, of, of air crew and veterans and i think if you some of those people that come away that you've just had a really great time gallivanting around you know um with very inaccurate kit and some standard stuff and you just do it i mean we all enjoy it of course we do but for me the feeling and the buzz i get from coming home knowing that i've educated a small child to potentially look up on the command to showing uh, uh that like a lady like that the equipment that a father would have worn and where he would have sat in the aircraft mm. um you know and you know, educating them of the difficulty that they might have had in trying to escape a you know a corkscrew in halifax as it's on fire you know yeah those things are what drive me to, to travel 400 miles round trip to an event you know as opposed to i had a great weekend with my friends that that is secondary i think uh, yeah i think there are some aspects of some events like i i hate the majority of skirmishes at events mm-hmm. i've done one and hated it um i think you know when when you when your kit is that good that you are given the opportunity to clamber inside a lancaster it gives you a much better appreciation of what these people went through than running around a, a little field in in rural england that's been taped off with barrier tape to stop the public mm-hmm. getting in the way of you rambo running down the wing with a machine gun yeah, um, yeah. I, I when we did the filming for the dambusters on channel five last last year before last mm-hmm. you know when they put drapes over the cockpit the lancaster in in the hangar at east Kirkby, and it was pitch black down the back and you're trying to climb over the main spar in all your flying kit that gives you a much better appreciation of what these 19 God, 20 yeah. 21 year olds went through and mm-hmm. that aircraft was on the ground rather than running around with a submachine mm-hmm. gun yelling at germans who are firing back at you with blanks Mm -hmm. yeah completely i mean i don't know about you but in those occasions where we've got to get inside aircraft in in equipment that you've spent years researching and you know thousands of pounds on i don't know about you but i I get a sense of adrenaline i don't mean that from Mm. i'm I'm super super excited i get this sense of adrenaline at that you know i've pursued the the feeling of, of, of complete accuracy where possible, where I can, you know, I've pursued this idea of getting as close as I very, very can. Not because I want to experience, you know, having a flak at me at 20,000 feet. That's not what I mean. But in terms of displaying everything, the, the best way I possibly can, and that adrenaline of going, this is, this is as accurate as I possibly can be is something that I thrive on. And that's why I think I've just got this complete contrasting opinion with people that are rather the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, who just don't thrive in the accuracy and it's more just about feeling cool. Or yeah. I think, I think, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I know exactly what you mean. You you stand in in the fuselage of the aircraft, and you close your eyes, and you can almost imagine being mm-hmm. your age in nineteen forty two, forty three, and mm-hmm. and you start to experience the feelings that they would have experienced. You know, when I got into the rear turret of that Halifax at Elvington, and you shut the doors mm-hmm. behind you, and all of a sudden you're transported into this whole world of being on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just it makes all the research and, and all the money that you, you put into it so much more worthwhile, in my opinion, rather than just going on the internet, Googling mm-hmm. Call of Duty World War Two characters yep, and going, yep. all right, well, I'll just go on Soldier of Fortune and order a Denison and stick some parachute regiment yep. titles on it and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. No, absolutely. And it becomes a more fulfilling experience because you can sit in that tail gun recalling tales of research from books that you've mm. read you know from original imagery that you've seen um you know and you can sit in there and you can recall those moments whereas if you've never done that 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 research it's that sense of enrichment isn't there because you haven't got those elements to lean on you just go oh this is interesting but when you can recall a certain air gunner's yeah. you know tales of, of what happened there it's it's a completely different story but you know, if, if anybody out there does have a very contrasting opinion, then you know, I really, really would like to, to hear from you. You know, are, are we being too serious? Do we care too much? Are we are we a very small percent of the hobby and do we not represent the majority? And would you like to come on and have your say uh, and, and represent a, a much broader, um, you know, audience out there? Because I'm, I'm totally willing to listen and to have my opinion potentially changed as well. You know, or are we actually just helping to educate and pursue a greater cause within the world of reenacting? So I'd love to hear your opinions and thoughts on that as well. So do drop us a line, um, comment on the episode post or share it with us and we'll, we'll obviously get that shared as well. But um, now before we go, our next episode is going to be a roundup uh, of this year's Stormy Military Affair, which uh, Taff and I touched on a little bit earlier. And we're going to be debating the buying patterns and price fluctuations in the market today with two sellers from the recent fair to discuss the experiences, both good and bad. And 
and their outlook on buying throughout the next 12 months in their hobby as well but for now thank you so much for tuning in once again we really really do appreciate every single listen message that we receive a bit of engagement on social media so please do continue to hit like and share on all of our social media posts as well to help us grow the podcast and reach new audiences out there as well it really would mean the world to us um and a big thank you for, for Tap as well for, for joining us on, on today's episode as well. It's been great to get your insight. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. And uh, another big thank you this week to our patrons, uh, 1940s Lance and the Vintage Blondie, for their incredibly generous contributions and support and towards keeping the upkeep of the podcast. And if you would like to contribute just as little as £1 per month to support with our overheads and future development, you can do so at patreon.com slash reenactorsrambled. So for now, many thanks for listening. Have a wonderful morning, day or night, wherever you are. For now, keep up those standards and see you all again very, very soon. <laughs>